joining us. Well, Minnesota Governor Tim Walz was supposed to be in Moorhead earlier today. I was going to have an exclusive one-on-one -on -one interview with him, but he couldn't quite make it because everywhere across Minnesota is just getting dumped with snow right now. In fact, it was announced earlier today the Twin Cities just completed their snowiest February ever in the history of the Twin Cities. They get the most snow ever. So anyways, I was going to visit with Governor Walls, obviously about his new budget that he announced yesterday, his appeal of Enbridge Line 3 pipeline. As of right now, that is not happening in Minnesota. And here's one of the things that you've told me. I, I talked about the budget a little bit yesterday. You reached out to me. A lot of people are talking about this, but Governor Walls wants to implement a 20 cent gas tax. He wants to put an additional 20 cents on every single gallon of gas that you buy. I've talked about this a lot on the show, but I do want to mention it again. I cannot stand a gas tax because it goes out and it impacts the poorest people the most. I mean, let's be honest, if you're making hundred grand a year and someone puts 20 cents of gas on a gallon, you're like, okay, I mean, not great, but it doesn't really impact your disposable income. But I know this from experience. If you're a single mom, because I was raised by one, and you're making 30, 40 grand a year, and you got some kiddos there, and all of a sudden you got a 20 cent gas tax put on every single gallon, you have to start making decisions here. Do I put gas in my car so I can get to work, or do I go buy food to feed my kids? I don't think any single mom, any parent, any family should be having to make those kind of decisions because of a gas tax. So anyways, earlier today I sat down with Minnesota Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka to talk about the Minnesota budget as well as what's happening, what's the future of Line 3 for people up like in Kitson, Polk, Marshall, counties of Minnesota. Senator, welcome back to Point of View. I want to visit with you about Governor Walz's uh, budget address yesterday. I want to start with the one thing that he said and get your reaction to it. He said, hey, I often said that a budget is far more than a fiscal document. It's a moral document. I'm struggling with what's moral about implementing a 20 cent gas tax, which is going to hurt the poorest people in Minnesota the most. I mean, it's, it's contrary to what he describes as helping people. Uh, the whole budget, frankly, uh, is over $3 billion of tax increases, and we have a $1.5 billion budget surplus. So I don't know how you can do that unless you're trying to promise every, everyone everything. And we can't do that. Uh, just like a, a family or a business, you have to live within your means. We're going to take care of people. We're going to take care of transportation, education. But we don't need a $3 billion tax increase to do it. We don't need a gas tax. We don't need a sick tax. We can just do it with, with the resources we have. But to be fair to Governor Walls, we know who we have as president right now. You know, the art of the deal, President Trump. I mean, maybe this is his art of the deal. I throw out a 20 cent gas tax. I throw out, you know, $3 billion more in spending. You guys come back and I end up with a, a 10 cent gas tax and I feel like a winner. You know, somebody asked me that at the press conference yesterday. He's asking for 20 cents and you're at zero. Does that mean you'll be at 10? And I basically said, uh, anybody that thinks that, uh, they're going to be disappointed in the end because we're not going to have a gas tax. And I remind people that in the last two years, we did dedicate permanent funding. Half the sales tax on auto parts in Minnesota is now going to roads and bridges. So that's additional funding that we didn't have until the last two years. Is it enough, though? Well, it, that's the question that everybody asks. If you took that forward for 10 years, it would generate about $3 billion dollars. In addition, what Republicans were doing was taking a half a billion dollars each two years in bonding and dedicating it towards roads and bridges. So 
That would have been a total of $6 billion over 10 years of additional money. We don't know what the federal government's going to give us, uh, you know, but it certainly was a good step of where we, towards where we wanted to be. All right, I got to ask you about this. You know, he had like three pillars, if you will, when he gave his address yesterday. Two of those things were education spending, and then the other one was community prosperity. And I bring it up in this context because tonight you're going to have people in Kitson County, Polk County, Marshall, for example, watching you. And yet he puts those pillars there and then said, hey, if line three meets the science and the environmental studies, we're going to green light it. And now he's not. What would you say to the people in Kitson, Polk, Marshall that are going, hey, we want community prosperity. We want more funding for education. But their governor denies them opportunity through line three and those tax revenues. What, what, what gives here? Well, they should be very upset. Uh, he made some promises during the campaign trail. Certainly the blue collar union workers uh, were promised that that would go forward. Uh, there was a lawsuit that Governor Dayton uh, did uh, with the Commerce uh, Commissioner suing the PUC, kind of like the right hand suing the left hand, which held it up. And so when Governor Walz took over, he had the opportunity to let that, Walz, that lawsuit go. It didn't have to go up any higher. That, that would have meant what PUC granted as a final uh, green light to get done would have happened. But instead, that lawsuit drags it out another three months, another six months. And frankly, it's going before the courts, so we have no idea that it's going to be allowed in the end anyway. But it was a 51-year-old pipe. They wanted to put in a new pipe, which meant it was going to be safer. Uh, plus, it was going to create a lot of jobs and a lot of extra property tax uh, for all of our counties. But in the end, they all have to wait, and that isn't fulfilling his promise. One of the things he also mentioned is, hey, look, this doesn't have to just pass, you know, um, the environmental permits to get the permits. It also now needs a social permit. Two things. One, do you have any idea what he's talking about with the social permit? And two, is that in statute in Minnesota that you now need social permits? So it's definitely not in statute, and uh, I can only assume that social permit means the far left gets to uh, decide whether it gets a rubber stamp to go forward or not. I don't, I don't know of any other reason because it would have helped northern Minnesota, central Minnesota uh, to happen. So there, I, but, to but, me, there's but, no excuse. But, on that. That's what I'm asking. I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand a social permit when you're saying, hey, I've got education as one of my pillars. I've got community prosperity. Here's a $3 billion private investment, jobs, I mean, property taxes that are going to go to education, to community prosperity. Isn't that a social, quote unquote, permit? I mean, wouldn't that be good socially for those communities? I, I guess I just don't get it. Yeah, you know, and I hope that he actually wanted it but was uh, pressured not to do it, uh, at least then maybe in the end he'll get behind it. But I am concerned about that pressure uh, that he would respond to that would cause him to do things that maybe he shouldn't be doing. Speaking of pressure, I think that most of us would agree that, hey, you know, the law is supposed to be sort of that blind lady justice, if you will, a statute's a statute. Uh, you know, laws really don't care about your feelings, right? I want to share with you, uh, back in January, I had a chance to visit with Governor Walls and Lieutenant Governor Flanagan. I asked uh, Lieutenant Governor Flanagan about line three. Uh, is she against it? But even if it meets the science, will she approve it? I want to share with you a little of her response and get your reaction. Well, I think, you know, as an enrolled member of the, the White Earth Band of Ojibwe, uh, this issue is personal for me. My own tribe is part of an additional lawsuit. I can respect what she's saying, sir. And again, when it goes back, though, to the science and a statute, do you think her personal emotions influence Governor Walls, influence this decision more than maybe it should based on the science? 
Well, certainly with that uh, brief clip you showed us, uh, it, it at least gives us cause for concern and, and pause. You know, is she influencing them in a way that shouldn't be uh, so? What do you like most about the budget? What are your biggest concerns? Uh, I'm trying to think of something I like about it, but you know, the fact that uh, he wants to take care of uh, education and that's a priority is a good thing. Uh, I, I am for uh, more funds for education as long as we have innovation and reforms that so we, it seems like they always throw money at stuff, but aren't uh, trying to do some of the reforms that I think we should consider. Uh, there's, there's rural issues that he highlighted that I think are important. One of them is broadband out in rural Minnesota. It is a major tool that if we don't have broadband, uh, our rural uh, communities can't compete uh, for, in education areas and in, in medicine and, and, and related to keeping jobs out there. So those were a couple areas that I thought we can line up and say we support that as well. So we'll see. I mean, it was a massive budget with a lot of promises. Uh, in the end, we got to wait for our February forecast, uh, which comes out February 28th. Those are the numbers that we actually have a budget uh, around. And I've been, our thought is it might be less than where we're at now. And so he'd be forced to you know, reduce it at least a little bit. Senate Majority Leader out of Minnesota, Senator Paul Gazelka, thank you so much for the time and the insight. We look forward to having you back on Point of View. Yeah, looking forward to it, Chris. Take thank care. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Leader Gazelka. Hopefully we'll have Governor Walls on very, very soon. Now, earlier today, the Fargo-Moore West Fargo Chamber, they had their they held their annual economic outlook event. So they had the North Dakota Office of Management and Budget Director Joe Morris at there. Also, publisher and futurist, he's the publisher of uh, Forbes, Rich Carlgard. Cool thing, he's a, a Bismarck, North Dakota native, does a ton of stuff for like Fox Business. And he talked about his outlook for 2019, a little bit about 2020. He believes the economy will slow a little bit in 2019. He says, hey, in large part because of the trade war, kind of CEOs, big corporations, confidence levels. So he and I, after the event, had a chance to talk about uh, trade, tariffs, the Green New Deal, which he says is a suicide pact. We also, because he talks a lot about politics, asked him, hey, can anybody on the Democrat side beat Trump in 2020? Let's talk about this trade war. One, uh, are you a proponent of these tariffs that President Trump is using? I describe myself in the talk uh, as a 75% Trumper. Um, I, I am a Republican. I'm uh, more of, a, I would say, a libertarian Republican, and therefore I'm a big believer in free trade. I'm not so much a fan of President Trump's rhetoric about trade. His actual policies are better than his rhetoric. But when you look at CEO confidence figures and how they declined, um, throughout 2018 and how even though they're running above trend line because on the whole they're happy with this administration the one thing that stands out is trade and if, if CEOs who deploy capital toward building new plants and, and starting new uh, enterprises within the organization if they're feeling reticent because they're uncertain about trade that will ding the growth of the US economy so Trump's capable of playing to his better angels. Uh, his State of the Union address uh, in January was, or early this month, was a, was a masterpiece. Um, and I think he's, he's been better on his tweeting, actually, if you look at the last... I don't know if Andy McKay would agree with that, but yeah. Months. Well, a little bit on that. And he's right to go after this 
this uh, economic suicide pact uh, from some progressive Democrats called the Green New Deal, which would get rid of internal combustion engines and, and cows in 10 years, uh, which is just insane. You know, he's right to attack that and, and to hang an albatross around any Democrat at the national level who supports that. But I, but I think I, I would like to see calm heads prevail on trade. China is fully capable of taking retaliatory actions. And even though you can say, and you'd be right, that China's hurt more than we are, their government is not accountable to the people. They can, they can outlast, they can suffer more pain than the U.S. can. So I would, I would like to see resolution there. Um, so if, if you had an ear with President Trump right now, what would you say to him to get this done? I would say that you're, I would speak to him very personally. I would say your election prospects, re-election prospects in 2020 depend on a, an economy and a stock market that are growing, much like the growth you've produced so far. Uh, don't let this trade rhetoric and, uh, and protectionist impulse get out of hand or you might kill the golden goose. Let me ask you this way, because I think for many people this trade war is very complicated to understand for the layperson like myself. And so for me, before tariffs, cost of goods were very inexpensive for me coming from China. So my question to you is why do I care if we have a 400, 500, 600 billion dollar trade deficit with China, knowing that my cost of goods are cheap and it's you know helping out with my disposable income? Well, I agree with you there, but it, it, a lot of people don't understand. I like to point out that we have a massive trade deficit at Forbes with the company that prints Forbes. Uh, that is to say, we spend millions of dollars a year from them and they don't buy bupkis from us. Maybe a couple of subscriptions. You know, first of all, tr trade is, it, it's wrong to think of it in, in a national way. It's actually free people and free companies willingly getting value. They're, they're trading so they get value companies aren't dumb and consumers aren't dumb. And so it, it's a little bit of a false thing to, to talk about it in national terms, but it, but it plays uh, to people who are, whose wages haven't kept up. Um, and, and, so, and so you see that. And I think that President Trump um, by nature is a uh, I like to win and I don't care if you win kind of guy. That's just who he is. He's a competitive guy and I think he sees the world a little bit more that way rather than win-win. Uh, I said I'm, I'm, I'm a 75% Trumper. You know, the 25% mainly goes to trade. I wish he would be uh, calm his rhetoric a little bit, listen more. He's got free traders in his administration. I'll give him credit. He's got, he's got Larry Kudlow. He's got uh, Steve Mnuchin. Uh, the Treasury Secretary. I think he's got a lot of friends who are CEOs that he talks to at night. And these CEOs are smart to, to not immediately tweet to say that they've talked to President Trump. But, but a lot of his base, particularly the populist base, likes the rhetoric about trade. And so he, you know, he needs to nod to them too. What's a win? In the trade war, what's a win in your opinion? I think a win is getting European countries to pay, to pay their fair share of NATO uh, contribution. He's right about that point. And I think in China, it's not so much that they, they're going to do things better and cheaper than we can. We're going to do things better than they are. I think it, it really has to do straighten out intellectual property theft and those kinds of things. Straighten out those two things 
and and his um, to the degree that trade forced these countries to the table, then it'll, they'll, then it'll have been a big win for the United States. Last well, question for you, sir. I know you obviously pay a lot of attention to politics as well. Who do you think is going to be the Democrat nominee, and can they beat Trump? Uh, I think if the economy is growing at 3%, uh, Trump will win. I think if the Democrats put up uh, a leftist, um, that somebody supports the Green New Deal uh, and all the kind of foolishness in that plan, including economic security for people unable and unwilling to work. The unwilling thing, I think the vast majority of people would have a hard time swallowing that one. I think if they put up a Midwesterner like Amy Klobuchar, um, he's kind of a leftist, but he's, but he's more Midwestern in his sentiment, like Sherrod Brown of Ohio.